After traveling extensively, I can safely say Canadians have an exemplary reputation as people around the world. When we travel abroad, we make sure our Canadian flag luggage tags are proudly displayed in order to avoid shrapnel from any possible anti-American sentiment many people house. When they hear our accents and find out we're Canadians, there is a marked drop in attitude and a welcoming, almost casual disposition immediately adopted. I've felt it. Other people in our entourage have felt it. And talking about it with other Canadian bands, they've felt it too. But truth be told, we as Canadians have struggled with a national identity. It's a very young country, largely made up of immigrants. I'm from Toronto, the most culturally diverse city in the world per capita. I'm a direct product of that diversity. That can be seen as an identity, but really, we are only slowly trying to figure it all out. Sure, there's images like the Canadian beaver and the Mountie, our success in hockey and healthcare, and of course, our Aboriginal people. But it's a struggle to make it all cohesive. Add to that the incredible landmass that makes Canada the second biggest country in the world. There is 8,000 kilometers end to end from coast to coast, from the Pacific to the Atlantic. How does a country bind together between that distance? When touring in Europe, sometimes cities in other countries only a few hundred miles apart are so different. How does Charlottetown, PEI on the East Coast find commonality with Victoria, BC on the West Coast? I have no answer, but I am 100% sure we as Canadians are united as a people. This episode with Devin Townsend is partly the proof. I met Devin in 2006 at the Rock'em Ring Festival in Germany when Devin was touring with his incredibly crushing band, Strapping Young Lad. I was a fan, but with Devin out on the West Coast in British Columbia, I'd never gotten a chance to meet him. So funny how two Canadians have to meet in Deutschland. It was only a very brief introduction and a hello I was a little intimidated, to say the least, but the connection was made and I was happy for it. Over the next 10 years, I'd see Devin give me a shout out in interviews and we exchanged emails and direct messaged each other. For me, it's a bit of a thrill to have this online relationship with Devin. I see him as somewhat of a master musician, a little above the usual heavy music fare. He has the ability and artistry to do whatever he damn pleases and pull it off without a hitch. Strapping Young Lad is only part of what makes up Devin Townsend. His Devin Townsend project kind of blew me away, and his Retinal Circus show seriously blew me away. And with his success being largely abroad, something I understand, I look strictly to Devin for reassurance. Although things seem to be turning around for him as he finally won a Juno Award for his latest album, Transcendence. A little bit too late in my opinion since all his previous albums had already been acclaimed and charted all over the world before Canadian recognition, but better late than never, right? Now getting back to the Canadian identity thing. Having friends in other countries hanging out, you hear the saying, oh, he's very German, or that's very Swedish, or that's very Finnish, or that's very Japanese, etc., etc. There's an identity there, an intangible feeling or recognition. But so too between Devin and I. 
We may be thousands of miles apart, but on this discussion alone, we recognized in each other that we surely were both from Canada and maybe a heightened sense due to us both being abroad. This episode took place at the Grass Pop Music Meeting in Belgium, one of my favorite festivals to play because of the well-curated roster and very organized backstage that allows for hangs like this one. Thanks to Blue Mic Microphones and Skullcandy Headphones for supporting the podcast. Thanks to you for listening to this episode, and please, if you can, leave a rating and or a review on the iTunes store because it helps the podcast out in terms of exposure and hell. A lot of positive reviews just looks good. It is an honor to have Devin Townsend on the podcast. I am proud to say he is Canadian. What a great musical ambassador for our country. And this episode with him starts now. The Tango Joe's podcast is the best around. Nick Flanagan is Tango's co host. Hello for free. I'm Zach Glad I like to talk to Jimmy in from Fucto. Stop playing Hang Joe. Thank you for listening to the Danko Jones podcast. We hope you will enjoy the show. The Danko Jones podcast. Sit back. Let the evening go. The Danko Jones Podcast. It's wonderful to be here. It's certainly a thrill. You're such a lovely audience. We'd like to take you home with us. We'd like to take you home. We'd like to take you home. I feel it's absolutely compulsory for you to listen to the Danko Jones Podcast. Many times, Liz and I camped out in front of our Fisher 500 hi-fi receiver, hanging on Danko's every word. It's what we used for inspiration when we both starred in Under Milkwood. We even got Peter hooked by the end of the production. Peter O'Toole, that is. (laughs) I implore you to go now and listen to Danko expound on subject matter most of us don't even think twice about. Listen to him. Turn anything into podcast gold. It's simply fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, get ready because the Danko Jones podcast starts. No, no! So the nature of this, though, is that, you know, we're fundamentally putting ourselves in a position where being judged is part of the job, right? So what's your reaction to these things? Like, how angry do you get when people are critical of you? When you're talking about when things on a private nature, it makes you angry, right? But what Absolutely. about but on a professional level? Oh, like, I don't like that album. I don't like, I don't like the show. I sure. think they're the... Oh, at this point in time, I, that stuff just goes off my back I'm not I'm not I don't I even friends of mine I already know they don't like our you don't like my band do you yeah and they just go well I go don't you know so no I'm cool with that that's nothing but when it comes to like certain aspects of my personal life if you're going to be critical of it because I'm in a band and because I you know there's all these stereotypes that come with being in rock music sure. I, I do get very defensive so this is the first time we've actually talked yes right hi Danico second time well we talked that one time years ago yeah but that wasn't like that was one of the uh, bro hug 
inducing talks. Well, I wanted him. It was strapping. Yeah. And I, I was like, oh, I got him. I got to meet him. So it was Rock'em Ring, and I knocked on your dressing room yeah. like this. Yeah. And I was like, hey, I introduced myself. And yeah. I think you were a little guarded. Um, I think if I was, it was only based on the fact that that particular point in my life was guarded just uh, point blank, right? Okay. But I remember taking away from that meeting, whenever your name came up, I was like, oh, I met him once and he was really nice. Yeah. So that's been my impression <laughs> to date, right? Yeah, yeah. But we're both Canucks. Right. And we're here in Belgium. Yeah. And we've both been doing this for such a period of time that, unless I'm mistaken, neither of us are qualified to do anything else. Oh, life skills yeah. are done. Okay. I got zero now. If this was to end tomorrow, yeah. all yeah. right? And something to do with the voice, so you couldn't continue with the podcast. What would you be capable of contributing to your society? Uh, I can open a PB&J uh, food truck. Really? Peanut butter and jelly sandwich food truck. That's sick. <laughs> I like to think that I can make furniture, but it's like... Oh, I, you're, you're way more... It sucks, yeah. though. No, dude, it sucks. It's, it's solid, but it sucks, right? It's kind of like my uh, lovemaking skills. <laughs> they're solid, but they're quick. A lot of tears. <laughs> well, I, I, so I could do dishes. I could do dishes. I could, you know, I can sweep and mop. So let's get this. Let's let's make a plan here. I can make like some really rugged sort of um, Hobbit-esque right. type of furniture, right. right? Really thick, and then uh, I'll keep you your can. Workspace clean. You would you? Sick. I would do that. And then you can make the peanut butter jelly as well. For snacks. But you can't just, you can't mop up as well. That's like an uneven distribution of labor. Oh, I, d I do the PB&Js okay. in the morning, okay. put in the fridge. Okay. Yeah. Or, or, you know, not, or, you know, because I can't, then I'll sweep when, when everybody's eating. And Maybe I could try and design some sort of fridge. I could make a big solid wooden fridge. I just have to get my head around Freon. Right. So what are we doing? What are we going to talk about? It's fun. This. Oh, this? Just well, that? if I have to talk, if I always have this kind of, I'm very trepidatious about thinking about the idea okay, of well, it I ending. Have, I have something to talk. Oh, this is a scary. Okay. This is a scary discussion. Why? Because, like I said, I've got no life skills. I joke about it in interviews. Sure. But I'm serious. Okay. Okay. Well, I had a thought today, and I'd like to get your perspective on it because. Um, We've been going around doing these, these festivals for the past month or so. And I was thinking this morning about how if you're fundamentally insecure, which I think a lot of us who do this, yeah. it's rooted it's in that. It's built in. It is. As we get older, it sucks too as your security becomes a little more um, confident. And then you're like, oh my God, now my life skills include nothing else other than this thing that requires me to like <laughs> do this for validation from strangers. Yes. This whole environment breeds this um, false sense of importance. Absolutely. And this, it's the photos that get taken when you're side stage and all this sort of stuff with like a sea of human beings and there's like this, it really feeds into this need for um, for acceptance from strangers. Yeah. And then, because these festivals exist and they need bands. They need hundreds of bands at each one of these things. And the and the festival exists more as a, a uh, social gathering, like a conglomeration of humans, and it's a thing that happens, and it's a social event with alcohol, and the bands are, in a sense, like uh, an afterthought, right? But I see it not only within camps that I'm familiar with, but like people around where the, the posturing and all these things that come along with it. Absolutely. It's like when you get home and you like us, have lives separate from all of this. 
it holds so little um, weight that I find like the majority of the effort that goes into doing these shows is to remain uh, with a perspective on it that's that's healthy. Because if it gets away from you, man, you're you're fucked, right? Uh, I, I I'm with you on all of that, okay. but for some reason, uh, I can switch it on and off like a like a light switch. Okay. When I get home, I'm immediately the moment I walk in the door, I'm I'm immediately ready to sweep. Mm. I'm ready to clean, and I I'm I'm just I'm ready. I'll, I'll take out the garbage, do the recycling. I'm I'm in that mode. I know there's guys who need to come down, and it's a whole alpha male kind of especially this kind of festival it's like it's huge like chest beating and everything you know um but i'm into it i i don't i don't i never i don't know i maybe it's because we are canucks maybe maybe but i think i can't do it immediately i find that it's the mechanism that allows me not to take the criticism or the praise uh personally requires me to become emotionally distanced and that takes time for me i'm slow moving so when i come out here the first three or four days of tour i'm like what the fuck like you know really totally and then when i get home that defense that makes the bubble for me because i don't like i'm like stay out of the bubble you know what i mean like i'm monogamous it's like all these things you stay out of the bubble and then when i come home my family, it's like they want to give me a hug or hold my hand or whatever. And I'm like, everybody away. Just give me a couple of days, you know, other than oh. a conjugal visit. Right. Like I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I just need. And I think it's funny because it's like the same mechanism that allows me to function in this way. And, and I, I like to think not let it affect me on like a fundamental level. It's the same one that makes me emotionally completely unavailable when I get home until it sort of dissipates. Uh, now, is that because in performance do you are you I get asked this in every interview oh are you you seem like two different people so do you put it on is it and I always say no that, that that's me like very excited yeah. so it's always me in my head so I don't have to like calm down off anything well to be fair yeah it is me as well it's just an exaggerated version like yeah, I think it is with exactly. you as well but uh, socially uh, I'm not I like the term ambivert. I like that. You're extroverted until you're not. And then when you're not, you are definitely not. Right. So I, I, I can relate. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. can totally relate. I'm really bad at, um, as much as I love to meet other guys and bands that I love and, and I'm, I'm a fan. And that's maybe another thing that keeps me grounded is I, come, I approach everyone, including you, as a fan. So uh, even though we're playing on the same festival, maybe on the same stage, maybe next door to each other, uh, if it's like, you know, there's Max and Igor from Sepultura right across from us. Um, Max just walked by me. I was like, holy shit, man. I've been listening to that guy since I was fucking 16. Well, me too. I just... And, 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 I, and I say this... Um, uh, not to counter that in, a, in, a, in any way that would be considered offensive... But I just don't care. I think that's it. It's like I'm looking for a connection with somebody that is on a human level something that I like. I, I hate not getting to the root of things. Like I don't like talking about nothing. It doesn't make any sense to me. So as a result of that, I've spent, I've been doing this for so long and I have very few people that I care to talk to. It's, it's, um, and the people that I do, I, I, I keep close to me because in this environment, finding people that aren't full of shit is like fucking 
so hard. So when you do find somebody, you're like, oh, it's that guy. It's that guy. Regardless of what they do, you know, regardless of whether their role in their organization is merch or... Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? Obviously, oh, you're the care. same, of course. Yeah. But at the same time, I just I just don't care. And it's it's funny, as I, as I get older, I find that when I walk by people that um, I have seen or, or, or know, I'm, I'm hoping that there's on some level like some humanity in there still <laughs> you know what I mean but not but it's a different tax bracket obviously but that being said <laughs> that being said I met somebody recently who I had no I had no anticipation that he was going to be as awesome as he was and he's like a really big star mm. and he was totally proved me wrong it was like and so in by having an experience like that, it's like no one's off the hook now in my mind. I'm like, you can't, you can't, you know, wear the sunglasses inside and, and walk around and, you know, play the hierarchy card if that guy doesn't. But those guys are always, those guys, I, you know, are, seem to be the ones who have nothing to prove. Yeah, exactly. And so they can just be themselves. Totally. Totally. It's the it's the bands who you never heard of a year ago yeah. who who come with all the attitude. That's how I've experienced. Yeah, yeah. That's those are the only bands who give us attitude. Yeah, yeah. I guess I guess I just I um I guess I'm not on their radar because it's like I don't know about with you guys, but maybe as Canadians the passive aggressive is strong with you as well. So we just watch people walk by and then just talk shit about them. You know what I mean? We're like, look at that guy. Yep, guy. yep. There is no possible way. That that guy's relationship with his dad is solid. If he's woke up this morning and put on those fucking boots, yeah. there's no way, right? Yeah, yeah it's so true. <laughs> it's, it's true. And how many times have we wrong? Like 99% of the time, too. Like, I met this guy recently, and he had a douchey hat. And I was like, oh, it's fucking hat guy. <laughs> like, the whole day, I'm like, here's a hat guy, I bet you. And I had this elaborate backstory yeah. about how much a douche this guy yeah. was, right? And then I met him, and he was awesome. Yeah. And I was like, oh, he totally owns that hat. There was nothing about that that was like, like he wasn't, there was no, he's just the guy, and that's what he does. He wears that hat. So. How many times has that happened where, you, you know, you, you're just with your crew, sure. and you're just, you're just shooting on people, and then they come into your world somehow, maybe yeah. a few months later, and those guys who you're pissing on, yeah. they're not, there, but yeah. you take a photo and then you send it to them, going, "Actually, he's a he's pretty cool." And not only that, <laughs> you find out that they're like they're like better than you in a lot of ways on oh, a yeah. personal level. Yeah. I was like, "That guy fucking," and then you meet him. I was like, "Oh, he's really cool," and oh, he had some really good advice for me. And now I feel like a bit yeah. of a schmuck, right? Opening the door for like people. Oh my god, why is the that? Airport. <laughs> why is that? But I think that's a good thing too because. Uh, you know, it's nice to be reminded of my own douchiness. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh fuck! I keep forgetting that I'm like an asshole, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, that's the thing. Is like <laughs> Canadians have such a reputation for being so nice. Yeah. Or we're we're, not. All, we're no, terrible. but we're quietly ripping on you. That's it. In fact, I. It's funny. I had a buddy uh, move up from Texas, and he was just like, "Man, you guys are the worst." Yeah. And I was like, "Why?" And he's like, "Well, because True. you don't." talk to each other about it you just like rip on everybody yeah. when they're not around and i and i'm i i think the swedes are like that too it's like the anything that's got that sort of quasi socialist you know <laughs> sort of right. passive aggressive thing right it's like waitress comes to the table she's like how's your meal and we're like oh it's really good oh i really like it is she gone no she gone right? this food tastes like shit look what she's wearing you know what i mean it's like we're horrible <laughs> we were in uh where was it saskatoon and the, the waitress came up to us and she's like she comes up to us and she goes how are the first bites how are your first bites and we're like okay and then 
for the rest, even up to this day. If you go, totally. how are your first bites? Hey, how are your first bites? And <laughs> here's the problem with that is no one other than like what I've found, the Canadians that I meet up with think that's funny. Right. Because right. they're just like, dude, why? You, that's fucking really fucked up that you're like banging on the girl. I'm like, no, it's funny. She asked us what her first bites were like. I mean, and I had a scalding mouthful of noodles, man. I was just like, I can't help now but like play this scenario over again. And so, how's your first bites? Were they good? In my head, I'm like, go away, go away, go away, oh, go away. Yeah. And what a stupid question. I know. How are your first, first bites? bites. I, well, ask me in a few more. I'm like, I'm still trying to get my palate around this cheese covered fucking Philly steak, you know? Weirdo. Well, well, that, that leads me to, like, the music industry in Canada, which okay. is also part and parcel of what we're talking about. Be careful with this one, right? Exactly. I've learned over the years to watch my step and watch my words because they come back to haunt me. Because now I have a reputation for being um, just this mean guy. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, yeah, but, I mean, it's also, for me, it's like, I think I recognize my... My connection to the Canadian music industry, I think I've been jealous for a lot of years be yeah. because I... I started my work out of Canada, and therefore, like you, my job is um, keeps me afloat in everywhere but Canada. Yeah. Recently, it started to get better. I've started to have some some really good moments. You know? We didn't get this. We didn't get nominated for a Juno, yeah. but when I saw you nominated, yeah, yeah. I was like, you know what? That's totally fine for me. Well, you know, and it's funny too because I talk to the people there and, and what I always forget is the amount of friends that I have in Canada. I think I, I get hung up on the 15-year-old or the 18-year-old part of me that like when I went to LA and when I came back I wasn't like allowed to be in the club. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like I'm 45 now, man. But there's a part of me that still holds on to that like fuck Absolutely. you guys. Absolutely. You know, fuck you guys, dude. So, you know, <laughs> Just so you know, if yeah. this makes you feel better, yeah. I have the exact same feeling, but you are the one person who I hold on to yeah. where I go, <laughs> this fucking shit's not happening. Like, what are we? Oh, but it's not happening for Devin either. Totally, so, yeah. you know what? Let's, that's cool. Then if I'd rather be in your camp than their camp, that's all I'm saying. Remember that Calvin and Hobbes cartoon where, you know, Calvin's trying to show him how, what it is to be cool. You know, he's got a pair of sunglasses on. Then Hobbs shows up in a sombrero. He's like, you can't wear a sombrero. That's not cool. And Hobbs is like, well, I don't want to be in a club that you can't wear in a sombrero. Right. Man, that sucks. Right, right. <laughs> but I mean, ultimately, man, it's it's. Um, I appreciate that. Number one, that's very nice. But at the same time, it's it's. Uh, I've I, I've I spent a lot of time going. Well, how come you know yourself? And how come what I do, how come we're not, mm. I, I'm not looking to be like um, incredibly successful, yeah. but I just think that, you know, where, where the stock lies for us in other countries is um, much higher than it is back home. Oh, yeah. Same for you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's good in the major centers, like Toronto's good and Vancouver's good, yeah. right? But... Um, but I, I, uh, I guess I, I, it's hard for me not to make assumptions on that. But uh, four years ago when the, when the hard rock category came in and the Juno thing, and, and, um, and then I met a bunch of people there, and I realized that maybe in my own mind, I think, oh, there's some sort of vendetta against what we do. 
but ultimately that's not the case. That's just another example of my own deep-seated insecurities and assumptions. It's the same one that makes me talk shit about the waitress, you know? Oh, but I don't understand. I've even said it in interviews. I don't know if it's been in Europe or if it's been in Canada, but I'm like, like, why isn't Devin Townsend, like, the biggest uh, thing in Canada? Like, why, like, why isn't Devin more popular in Canada? I've said that in interviews. And I've even said that in interviews where it's like, well, Devin isn't going to be uh, as popular in Canada as he is in everywhere else, then that's fine with me. Like, I, I, like I'll, 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 you know, I'd rather be in his camp than, than you know. Oh, I appreciate it, man. But I, I think it's easy for me to go down that persecution complex avenue as well and just be like, how come, how come? When ultimately, I mean, I'm really happy with where I'm at. And I think in Canada, too, it's like I get so much support now from uh, people in Canada. And, and I think it's, it's the time needs to pass where I'm, I'm assuming that I'm not getting my fair share, you know? Because the fact that I'm 45 and still able to function, Canada or elsewhere, is, is great, man. And Absolutely, and that's what I think too. Yeah, no, it's exactly it, man. And ultimately, when I think about the trajectory of my career, man, I've been moving linear for up till maybe seven years ago. Up to that point, I had no one in my world that was like, Dev, you need to stop making cock symphonies and you need to fucking focus on the band and you need to do this, you need to follow it with this. And you know what I mean? There's been no trajectory for me. I was like, I'm going to make a new age record. I'm going to make a country record. I'm going to make a death metal record. And so not understanding how the industry worked like in right. terms of the buying public yeah, right, you know the right. labels and everything are like well your last record did 2000 and then the record before that did 50,000 and so we have no yeah. way to create momentum so it's only been up to 7 years ago where we changed management where now things are starting to have some sort of a strategy mm. so i would imagine um, industry or people could be forgiven for wondering why um, i've had no um, real movement in my career when it's honestly me just spinning my wheels for 25 years. Right? Yeah, but I... I um, it's fun, though. I don't want to put a wrench in this. Yeah, go. This, uh, this whole strategy plan of yeah, yours. Go, go. But I love how you can, you volley back and forth, you can do whatever, and uh, it's, it's kind of like how, uh, yeah, I, I see you as... You are above all this, man. You're like, you're, you're, you're not... You're like, I'm playing... Three chord rock, you know. We play three chord yeah, rock. Well, man. but yeah, yeah. You're but you you're, you're able to do all this other stuff, and and uh, it's uh, it's nice to see that because in the world of branding and everything is so streamlined, it's nice to see when someone uh, I, I don't really like to use the word artist, but when someone can just just do all kinds of stuff and, and let it exist and have an audience and just do whatever. You know, I, I think of, there's some guys out there, uh, you know, I'm not going to mention names, but they're, everybody knows who they are and they can, they're just very uh, prolific and very talented and they, they're not stuck in, in one mold. We, we, we live in a world where people need things car- compartmentalized. And I'm aware of our band, and I've always said that we play this kind of music, this is what you are going to expect from us, because we want to like kind of brand the sound. I think that's also an art form in itself. I agree. But, but I love how you do all kinds of shit. 
I'd like to I'd like to claim it as being intentional, other than just totally pigheaded. I mean, I've, I think about exactly what you're you're speaking about. Uh, I I um, about about I um I I, I when you say branding a sound as an art form, I absolutely agree. And in fact, that's something that I've always been uh, envious of. Because when I look at a band that's from the beginning had their logo, mm-hmm. and then their sound just evolves and becomes a more refined version of their vision, that uh, implies to me uh, a strength of character. That, that discipline, yeah. That discipline, which I really appreciate. For me... I mean, I, I have a hard time with compliments, first off, only because sure. everything that I do is the exhaust of a process of trying to become actualized as a person when I think I'm a fucking banana. So it's like every stage of life that goes, it's like now I'm trying to understand anger. Now I'm trying to understand love. Now I'm trying to understand sex. Now I'm trying to understand peace or death or birth or whatever. And that's not by design that has nothing to do with me like sitting in a laboratory and trying to articulate these heavy human things it's just flailing through life and then finding myself presented with these things that we're all presented with but somewhere along the line probably when I was a kid through whatever I could you know pontificate on was the cause I found it very difficult to emotionally articulate myself like I can express it verbally, but I don't participate in it. However, with music, that's where I've had an outlet. Mm. So throughout these common human experiences, I've just been fortunate enough to be able to make a career out of vomiting out what that output mm. allows me to do. And so my, um, my uh, prolific nature and the fact that things are so disparate are much more to do with just, like, obliviousness than anything else. But I think I'm disciplined enough as a person to finish each one. I can get to the point B, yeah, right. which has helped. So now I have, a, oh, it's a career. Okay, well, hooray. Right. So when it comes to the, the wrench in the works, one thing I would say when you said, uh, you know, I don't want to uh, derail that, dude, I have no choice but to do what I do. And it's uh, much of the chagrin of everybody who fucking works with me. Because they're just like, okay, well, next you're going to do one of these. I'm like, yep, you got it. I'm going to do a hard rock record with a big chorus and some heavy guitars and some solos, right? However, now I feel like doing a tropical thing that's based on, you know, what it would be like to sit in the Caribbean and have, like, a jazz master, and then I'll paint it, and I'll have, like, a sunset on it, and I want it to be really quiet. I want it to sort of sound like hammock, and you know what I mean? And they're like, yeah, but, but, but we've got this. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. So... It's uh, it's interesting. Well, the, just the fact that you can do all these things is I'm like pretty envious of. Like, uh, uh, as much as I do, I'm very grateful that we've been able to carve out this kind of Fuck, yeah. r- hard rock niche of ours. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I, I would love to be able to do some sort of like crazy shit off to the side and do this stuff, I but I have no. No, I, I just don't have the ability. No, seriously, I just don't. Really? Yeah. I'm an appreciator, you know, as, as sure, much. Sure. So I, I, I can watch from the sidelines. And I, that's why I, I like to watch you go on tangents and 
do all too. kinds of crazy stuff, you know? Like, that's I- I- interesting to me. Yeah, no, me too. I just, I think it's interesting as well because I never consider myself like a musician as such. Like, I get in with these groups of musicians that are really like, talented dudes, right? Mm. And I think, well, what am I, what do you want me to do? Like, I can't... I get it with these ripping guitar players or whatever. They're like, do a solo. And I'm like, I got nothing to say, man. It's like all these sort of weird jazz chords and this sort of shit. It's like, unless I'm, unless I'm presented with something that inspires me, nothing happens. Like, nothing. So it's funny, too. It's like people say, hey, you should sing on this for me. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't, I don't care about what you're saying. You know, you want to be a little more diplomatic than that. But it's like, it's like, well, what's your intention? What is it, what is it that you're doing here? It's right. like, well, we're trying to get to the next level. It's like, yeah, well, what, are, what am I supposed to do? Like, so if we've got a relationship, it, it's easier for me. But I find it, it funny to be, for example, lumped into prog music. When I mean, all I, when I was a kid, I loved Motorhead. Like, that's what I liked. And I mean, I never, uh, without naming names, right? Like, all that other stuff, man. It was like, I hated that shit. But now, because I guess I didn't get laid in high school or whatever, I learned how to do sweep arpeggios or something. So everybody's like, you're a prog musician now. And I'm like, fuck, sure, man. <laughs> whatever works. But when I'm in these positions where it's like, okay, improvise, I'm like, ah. Oh, I can't do that. At right? All. Oh, but I just don't have the ability. I just couldn't even do it. I play in a box. <laughs> yeah, but... Um, I think the amount of people, and this is what I learned recently from spending time with like people who write pop the amount of people that downplay the ability that goes into cutting the fat from songs to make a three chord song as you may say effective i mean anybody can play three three chords but doing it in a way that allows you to carve a niche out man i mean uh i think it's fucking awesome and i think it's very difficult to do well i mean i come in with all the riffs and I go, you know, and I give it to JC, who is our bass player. Yeah. And I go, here, here's the chorus. Check it out. And he goes, that's the verse. Yeah. Oh. All right. Well, this is. I thought this was the verse. That's the chorus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he oh, knows so more than I do. You're so lucky, man. <laughs> I don't. That's know. great. I, I don't know either, really. I think it's like. See, I think if we ever did something, it would we'd never get to either. You and I. Yeah, we yeah. would never get to a chorus or. <laughs> it would just be verses, verses, verses. Midsections and fucking jazz odyssey. Bridges. On bridges. Well, I think it's interesting too because it's like I've had to really study structure recently. Where someone's like, okay, well, this is how a pre-chorus works, and this is how the chorus works. I'm like, really? Shit. I, I don't know that either, dude. I, he does. Well, good. So he, he so he, he sort of arranges then. Oh, eh? he's the oh, arranger. That's so yeah, yeah. That's so sick. And, and even when I, well, I brought in this, well, the first time I brought in this riff for the new record, yeah, yeah. he's like, whoa, what's that? Yeah. And he just kept on it, and he's like, that's the opening song. Uh-huh. That's the opening song. He kept at it, kept at it. Oh, dude, so he's invaluable. He, it's like he produces he, he, in a sense, right? When we get to the studio with our producer, oh, he, the songs are pretty good. But you produce too, right? I do, but I'm more, uh, it's more like the sonics for me. In fact, it's, it's you know, we did a show yesterday at, um, at the Hellfest thing, and, and we watched a live stream, and I just I couldn't watch it because... I got all these layers of shit. Like I got orchestras and choirs and fucking bleeps and bloops and echoes and all this stuff. And of course, when they streamed it live, they've got bass, drums, guitar, and a bit of keyboards, right? Yeah. So everything that makes it important to me right. is lost. Yeah. 
And uh, I'm watching it, and everybody's like, oh, this sounds great. And I'm just like, this fucking sounds horrible, dude. It's like, and I'm bumming everybody out, too, because I don't want to be that yeah, guy. So yeah. I, just, I just left, but I'm thinking, you know, it's hard for me not to go down the rabbit hole as well of like, well, am I the only one that's paying attention to these, these details that make it? Because when I write riffs, dude, my riffs suck. They're just like big octaves that can support these... Oh, towers of shit. Right, it's all in your head. Right. Well, and plus I can articulate that. Yeah. So when it's mixed, so all you hear are the chords. I'm like, oh, we're fucking, we suck. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. It's like, the, you're hearing the skeleton of, that's of it. what's in your. That's it. Yeah. Right. But I think it's like you know, one thing I had to sort of like let go last night is is the reason why I do the things I do is because I'm wired to to. Um, Focus on the minutia of it. You were tweeting about that last night. Yeah, it was, dude. Yeah. <laughs> because I was watching, it, I was like, "This fucking sucks, man." And I was like, "Nah, man, it sounds good." And I'm like, "Yeah, but yeah, but it, how can you not?" Because uh. you were you're saying I can't go to sleep without it thinking about it, and I'm like, yeah. "Dude, you just gotta download some Netflix and just." Well, okay, so I think it's called. Mirophonia, microphonia. I forget it. Microphonia sounds even better. But when you have an inability to um, ignore subtle environmental stimulus like smells or or um, a dog barking or mm. somebody clicking when they breathe or, or something, right. as much as I focus on the big things, the things that are going to fucking wipe me out every time are the things that most people uh, are uh, unaware of. I think. I think conversationally, I think it's rooted to some sort of empathy. Maybe not like, um, maybe not like uh, uh, with any sort of sense of dignity. But I absorb my environment, and as a result of that, I can't let this shit go, man. So when it comes to like watching Netflix at night, unless it's a documentary, I uh, like I hate watching horror. I hate watching dramas. I hate. It's like yeah, sure. it's hard for me to like not absorb the imagery. You oh, know? I, no! I watch fluff. Same. That's what I mean. Fuck yeah! How it's made for the wind, man. I fucking love that. And How it's on. It's yeah, dude. It's on. If you go to YouTube as well and you hit the autoplay, it's like with all the puns too, eh? Where, where they're talking about, um, you know, Lego. That's how this episode sticks together. <laughs> da, 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 right? But there's something about that that is, um, it's engaging enough to not be completely dis of disinterest. Right. But it's also fluff enough that you can kind of ignore it. It becomes this right. counterpart. Yeah. Well, I, I watch uh, the guys. know. they're probably so tired of. Me. I watch Terrace House on Netflix, which is uh, it's kind of Japanese real world. So it's kids in a house and stuff, and I'm just addicted to it. Really? Yeah, I'm totally addicted. Can you tell me what it's about? Six kids, three boys, three girls. They live in a house in Tokyo. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's like real world. They just film their lives as they live and work in their jobs, go to school. But the difference is um, they go back to the studio where there's like a row of comedians and actors or people, and they just rip on the kids. That's horrible. As Canadians, there's things that we do that define us mm. within the parameters of even our yeah. exchange here. 
that uh, it's weird how you are so far away you could fit how many countries in the space between where we are and where you are and we're still connected I've always found that very fascinating it's fascinating and it's also I find that the more I travel the more I um, really enjoy my cultural identity even though it's like I've lived in different places and I've traveled enough that I think it's kind of moot now I uh, I really enjoy being able to sort of claim some of these things. I'll watch Trailer Park Boys and I'll be like, oh yeah, mm. yeah yeah yeah, it's like my cousins. Right. You know what I mean? Right, right. Oh, that's great. Man. Yeah. Well. So what are we doing today? What time are you on? We're on at four. You're on at three. I think it's four as or well. You're on. At, yeah. Yeah. We're on. We're not going to see each other. No, that's but, okay. That's we'll we'll play dueling banjos from across the uh, yeah. across the no, place, this is, right? This is what I wanted. This is my yeah, grass pop. Yeah, it's good to meet you. Dude. Yeah, it's good.